Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Sure, welcome to church this morning. It's so good to see you. I'm so looking forward to those acorns coming on in a couple minutes, um, as you are as well, I'm sure. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I was actually doing totally fine this morning until somebody mentioned McDonald's. <laughs> and then it was like I lost all concentration. And <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. It was, it was such a good week, hey? Such a good week and so grateful for all of you for coming out every evening. Uh, we had some beautiful times of worship, of repentance, of receiving, of healing, of declaring as well. Um, and uh, what a way to start the year. So if you have got a Bible, let's get into our, our, our word this morning. We're going to go to the Gospel of John chapter 2, and we're going to carry on with our series, Miracles. One minute. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Are you saying <laughs> Sure. Fantastic. Oh, okay. I, I really do have to pause for a minute. Well, I, I, let me start for now. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so, um, last week we we kicked off this series on miracles, and um, I I know. I know we're very excited about the series, but last week we did the important work of laying a foundation on the series. Remember, foundations are important. Whenever you're building a house or something, you've got to lay a foundation. You've got to know what our starting point is. And we learned last week that it is not theologically wrong to ask or even require God to do miracles. Can I hear an amen for that? There is a big part of the body of Christ today, churches out there in the world, who are vehemently preaching that the gifts of the Spirit stopped with the apostles. They're for unbelievers. They're for your colleague. Amen? They're for your, for your boss. They're for your children. They're for your family members. That's what they're there for, to advance the gospel wherever you go. And so we need to have a healthy expectation for miracles. We need to have a, a healthy faith to see God move in our times. Amen? But in the same breath, we're not going to turn the church into a spiritual circus. Amen? Where it's all about signed wonders and miracles. There's many ministries out there and prophets and apostles out there. And there's a lot of like stuff happening and you know, things, signs, wonders, miracles, things happening out there. But when you examine the ministries a little bit closer, there's Bible, but it's twisted. And it's taken out of context, and it's used incorrectly, and it's used to manipulate, and, it's, and there's money, and there's pride, and there's prophet worship, and there's weird rituals. and all. We're not going to turn the church into a, a spiritual circus. Jesus said, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, we cast out demons in your name, we prophesied in your name, and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. Yeah. 
What is lawlessness? It's disregarding everything else that Jesus has taught about humility, about repentance, about the gospel, and just focusing on the prophetic. It's lawless. All right? We've got to take the gift and we've got to put them into the context of the entire gospel and minister them out of that place. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. So uh, today, we're going to look at our first miracle in the gospel of John, uh, in John chapter 2, and it's a miracle of provision. It's January. Amen. How many of you need some provision to flow this month? How many of you need some fees paid, some varsity fees, registration fees? How many of you need to like pay off that car this year? Let's pay off some bonds, amen? We, 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 we need the power of God. We need the provision of God. And God reveals himself in Scripture to us as our provider. Isn't that good news? He reveals himself in Scripture to us as a father, and he calls us his children. What do fathers do for children? He provides, all right? So today, my hope is that as we journey through this miracle, as we get into it, as we untangle it, we look at it and examine it, we're going to see how God provides, and we're going to learn some principles on faith so that we can walk out of here and practice faith and see the provision of God. Because remember, everything in the, in the Bible, whether it's salvation, whether it's provision, whether it's healing, whether it's deliverance, all the miracles, they're all linked to faith. All right, so we're going to learn some faith principles this morning. We're going to be empowered from the Word of God to, to understand faith in operation for provision. We're going to walk out here. We're going to see God do miracles in provision. Amen. Amen. All right, so are you in, in John chapter 2? Frank, why don't you come on up here? And uh, have you got a mic there? This is, this is Frank. And uh, Frank, give him a hand as he's coming up. Every Nation Durban. All right. Frank is my new friend. Uh, Frank got married in December to the beautiful Younger over there. Give a royal wave, okay? And um, Trish and I did the wedding on the beach here. I'm loving these beach weddings. We were barefoot. The, the water was washing up under our toes. We were in front of Sun Coast. It was the most glorious, beautiful day. And this couple got married in December. We congratulate you guys. And uh, Frank is going to read John chapter 2 for us in French this morning. So, the language of love. So just release the marriage anointing as you're going. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I want him to read in French this morning. We're going to read it in English afterwards, but, but we are every nation. And I want to celebrate the cultures we have and the languages we have. So we're going to kind of do this over the series. Is the scriptures, we're going to have somebody read them in different languages. Um, and, and let's allow the Word of God to speak even through French. Amen? That's on. Yeah, there we go. Amen. Okay. Nous lisons Jean 2. <laughs> Go Jean... for it, Frank. Don't mind them. Just read the word of God. Jean 2, 1 à 12. 1 to 11. Verse 1 to 11. Yeah. 
Trois jours après l'île des Nances à Canaan, en Galilée, la mère de Jésus était là. Et Jésus fut aussi invité aux Nances avec ses disciples. Les vins ayant manqué, la mère de Jésus lui dit, ils n'ont plus de vin. Jésus lui répondit, femme, qui a-t-il entre toi et moi Mon heure n'est pas encore venue. Sa mère dit au serviteur, Faites ce qu'il vous dira. Or, il y avait là six vases de pierre destinés aux purifications des Juifs et contenant chacun d'eux aux trois mesures. Jésus leur dit, remplissez d'eau ces vases et les remplir jusqu'au bord. Puisez maintenant l'air, dit-il, et portez-en à leur donateur du repas. Et ils emportèrent. Quand l'ordonnateur du repas y goûtait l'eau, changée en vin, ne sachant d'où venait ce vin, tandis que le serviteur qui avait épuisé l'eau le savait bien, il l'appela l'époux et lui dit Tout homme sert d'abord les bons vins, puis les moins bons après qu'on s'est enivré. Toi, tu as gardé les bons vins jusqu'à présent. Telle fille à Cana en Galilée. Le premier des miracles qui fit Jésus. Il manifesta sa gloire et ses disciples crurent en lui. Après cela, il descendit à Capernaum avec sa mère, ses frères et ses disciples. Et ils n'y demeurèrent que peu de jours. Amen. Bonjour. Sure. Amazing. On the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were, six, there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they, were fill, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made into wine, He did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water out knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You must have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right. When we read the Gospel of John, it is very hard to read it only in a literal sense because there is this massive symbolic element that comes and through the Gospel of John. Uh, so whenever you're reading this Gospel, we have to look at it on, on, on layers. On, on, in the, on the first layer, the literal sense, what do we have? We have a situation where they have run out of wine. 
And Jesus comes and he does a miracle and he provides. And the, on a very literal sense, Jesus is our provider, okay? He provides for our needs. Case closed. That's it. But that's, we can't just leave it there. You know, when you look at the Gospel of John, there's a whole nother deeper layer going on here. And, and first of all, what we see is that this is the very first miracle that Jesus does. And that's important as well. Why? Well, because his first, typically, his first words and his first miracles, they're all announcing something. The first words that we read about when it comes to this miracle, it says that on the third day, Jesus went to a wedding. What is symbolic about the third day? Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. What's symbolic about weddings? Well, there's a wedding to come. When the, when the, when the Lamb of God is going to come and fetch His bride, and they're going to be in eternity forever, and there's going to be a celebration of incredible proportions. So we already know just from reading the scripture that it's not only announcing something to us, but it's also eschatologically uh, pointing us to the future when Jesus is coming back, and there's going to be another wedding feast. And it's with those eyes then that we can go even deeper into the passage of scripture. And we start to see throughout scripture that wine you know, pastors, a lot of pastors don't like this message. You know, why is Jesus doing this miracle, okay? Water into wine. You're not helping our communities yet. Um, <laughs> but it's, there's, a, there's another layer to this. Why? Wine is symbolic in Scripture. Wine refers to the Holy Spirit's. Amos and Joel prophesied about a day to come in the future when the mountains would drip with new wine. They prophesied about a time to come when there would be a new wine, and they were prophesying about Jesus' ministry, and they were talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit that had not yet come. They were looking into the future and, and prophesying, and that's what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is often represented as wine in Scripture. And so we know this miracle is announcing something to us because it's the first miracle that Jesus does, and we see water turning into wine. What is happening here is symbolically Jesus is saying, I'm coming to transform the old ceremonial system, water, and turn it into a whole new system of wine, which is the Holy Spirit. I'm doing away with the old, and I'm bringing something new as well. How many gallons of water were there? No. Not six gallons, six parts. How many gallons of water? 120. 120 gallons, it's, it says in the Bible. 120 gallons of water were there. Why is 120 important? Why mention that? How many believers were in the upper room when the Holy Spirit fell? 120. They each got a gallon of new wine. <laughs> There were six water pots. Why is six significant? Yes, six is the number of man. Man was made on the sixth day. What do we also refer to as in Scripture? Clay pots, earthen vessels. So we are those clay pots. We are filled with water, which is odorless, fragrantless, colorless, tasteless. It's lovely, but it's just got no fragrance to it. This is Jesus announcing the very essence of what he's coming to do. Transform humans, us, these clay pots, from the inside out. 
He's going to bring out a new wine out of us, the fragrance of heaven out of us, the gifts of the Spirit out of us. There's going to be joy coming out of us in times of despair. There's going to be hope coming out of us in times of hopelessness. There's going to be power coming out of us. This is what Jesus came to do. This is the essence of what He's announcing in this miracle. We can't just browse over that and just like, okay, let's go for the provision part. Amen. It's a miracle of epic proportions. But the climax of this miracle, if we look a little bit further to the, to the master of, of ceremonies at this wedding, he goes to the bridegroom and he says, you know what, this wine is so good. And all the weddings that I've been to before, they always serve the good wine in the beginning. But you have saved the best for last. Can you say best for last? Best. Say it again. Best last. Look at somebody and say, Jesus saves the best for last. Best for last is actually a recurring theme even in his parables. Best for last. And so many people, you know what, when they look at the world today and they read the Bible, they go, oh, I wish we had an outpouring like the early church did. Man, they had it. Whoa, they, that upper room experience. And then what happened in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and Ephesus and Corinth and, you know, Rome. And, oh, man, that was just, that was the best. People, Jesus saves the best for last. Remember, there's something eschatological about this word. Why? Because right in the beginning, it's on the third day, Jesus, then a marriage. Could it be that this, this hidden in this uh, example or this miracle that Jesus does, that he is also prophesying or giving us a hint of what's to come in the future before the marriage feast of the Lamb, that the best wine is going to be poured out? And could it be that we're living in those times? Could it be that Jesus has saved the best outpouring of the Holy Spirit for the end of the church age, when the harvest is the most it's ever been before? Right now, there's more harvest on the earth than there's ever been. We need the entire body of Christ mobilized, filled with the Holy Spirit, if we're going to go and reap a harvest for Jesus. But we're not going to be able to do it until there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our times, and we're filled with new wine, and we speak in new languages, and we're empowered to go like they should go. Saints, I believe that so much that that's why I wrote Revival Reign. If you haven't got it, please get it. It's all in the book, all right? You can, you can catch on it there. I'm not going to preach about it today, but the best for last. That's the times we're in. Amen. So let's also just... Go now onto the literal sense. So here's a miracle. There's a need, and Jesus meets the need, and maybe you're in a situation this morning where you need some needs met. All right? Um, just by the way, just, just so you, you know, 120 gallons is about 450-something liters, which is 605 bottles of wine. And we know it's fine wine, so let's just say this wine costs, you know, minimum $250. we are talking about a miracle of 
150,000 rands worth in today's standards. So, question, you know, often we, we go to Jesus and we, we doubt, like, will he meet my need, and am I being too extravagant, or am I, you know, asking for something that's I shouldn't be asking for. Here we have the Messiah doing a miracle, turning water into fine wine. Must I use this wine? We're getting distracted. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Can we say thanks, Josh? Here Jesus is turning water into wine. It's a 150,000 rand miracle for people who are, have already drunk a lot of wine, all right? <laughs> I want you to see that our God is extravagant. And when he provides, he doesn't just provide. It's more than enough. It's beyond what we can hope, dream, or even imagine. Okay, let's go into the miracle on that, okay, on that. So what do we learn from this miracle? Well, first up, I think it's important that we give Mary some credit, amen? <laughs> Mary deserves some credit here. She looks to Jesus when she realizes there's not going to be enough provision. And, I mean, if we look at her conduct, what we can do is we can get some principles of faith from what she did, and we can, we can learn from her as a, as a mother in the faith, okay, of how we can see provision released in our lives. So she trusted him to sort everything out when she never knew how he was going to sort it out. I mean, let's be honest, we would never have guessed, she would never have guessed, I know what he's going to do, so do what he says. No, she had no idea what he was going to do. He could have manifested some money and people could have gone and got it or he could have just gone poof and there would have been wine. You know what I mean? I don't know. She had no idea, but she knew that he could do it. She knew he could do it. All right? And so she acted in faith, in expectation on him. She put her faith in him and we now see the miracle thereafter. All right, so what, this gives us a good picture. What is the first thing we can take out of this? I'm going to give you three points. Firstly, faith is being fully convinced. That's what faith looks like. She was fully convinced. She wasn't wondering, would Jesus do it? Could Jesus do it? She was like, Jesus is going to do this. I know. She wasn't insecure in her asking for him to do this. I mean, come on, this is like Jesus is the rabbi. You know, this is what, look at the words of Jesus. This is not my time even. What has this got to do with me? Do I look like the bartender? You know, like, am I the guy providing here? What, what, you know, but she comes and she's fully convinced that she's got every right to come to him. She's fully convinced that he will hear her. And he's, she's fully convinced that he will act on her behalf. So this is what faith looks like. It looks like a single-mindedness. And we see this attitude mirrored in so many people's, people in the Gospels. We see, you know, the guys who brought their sick friend to Jesus. They made a hole. They couldn't get in. But they were determined. They were single-minded. No, he's going to be healed today. We're bringing our mate here, and, and we're not going to stand at the back here and then walk away without a miracle. Today's our miracle day. And they, they climbed up with that guy on a stretcher, made a hole in the ceiling, and lowered him down to Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, the guy was healed. 
You know, that single-mindedness. Think about the woman with the issue of blood pushing through the crowd. She shouldn't have even been there. She wasn't allowed to be there. She was unclean ceremonially, etc. And yet she was like, I'm going to get, and all I have to do, I don't even need to speak to him. I don't even be in front of him. He doesn't even have to lay hands on me. I'm just going to touch his robe. And the power on him is going to flow into me. That single-mindedness, determination, it's a, perse- a perseverance. It's like I know. All right, that's what faith looks like. There's no doubt and there's no double-mindedness. And I want to ask you today, like, when it comes to the area of provision, let's just be honest for a moment. Like, just examine your own heart. How do you feel about God as your provider? How do you feel about God hearing you? Are you insecure about what you're asking for? You know how we get like that. Can we ask for this? I don't even know. Are we sh- should we? Is this too much? Am I being materialistic? Hey, if he could take water and turn it into wine, for all those people who've already drank a lot of wine, let's, let's just, you know, iron that one out. Often we find ourselves in positions where we're not sure if this is what he wants for us. We're not even sure if this is what we want for ourselves. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You, you're asking for stuff, and then six months later, you're so glad he didn't give it to you. <laughs> so so can, we just, can we see that in us, there is this thing called doubt and double-mindedness? We are creatures that are riddled with it. We doubt him, his power, ourselves, our, even our needs, and we, even if this is the right thing for us. There's, there's so much doubt in us. And James says this in James 1 verse 6. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Can you say not doubt? And this is why. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord because he's double-minded and unstable in all his ways. And what James is communicating to us is this. Heaven and earth connect through you. Okay? Heaven and earth connects through you. You are the channel for heaven to come to earth. Okay? Your mouth can be a mouth of blessing or curses. Hell can come through you too. Okay? We see that. All right? Humans bringing hell on earth and humans bringing heaven on earth. We're the channel. Okay, And what James is trying to communicate to us in this passage of Scripture is that in order for heaven to flow to earth, it needs a stable connection. How many of you, <laughs> you your, your, your connection on Wi-Fi is gi- giving you hassles? You're trying to send the emails, not going. Frustrating. Hey? That's, that's what James is talking about here. Heaven needs a stable connection. So get stable. Get stable about God. Get stable about His character. Get stable about what you understand about provision. Get stable about the requirement, your requirements as, as a necessity before Him. Get stable about your future and what you're asking for. Know what you're asking for. You know, I think the, the invitation in James is here is to mature. You know, don't ask for, you know, ice cream on day one, and then day two, you're like, no, I want custard. And then on day three, no, I want something else. This is an unstable connection. You're not going to get anything like that. 
That's not what Mary was about in that moment. She, she knew it's ice cream today and forever, and this is it, okay? Like I'm sticking to my guns on ice cream. Why am I preaching about ice cream? <laughs> it's been seven days, people. <laughs> Have some grace. <laughs> Heaven needs a stable connection. And I want to ask you, are you a stable connection? Jesus said in Matthew 21, 21, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what's been done to this fig tree, but even if you said to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the ocean, and you do not doubt in your heart that those things you say shall come to pass, then you will have whatever you say. Therefore, I tell you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received them and they shall be yours. Jesus says, when you ask, truly I tell you, ask without doubting. Make sure there's this thing called believing in your prayer and you will have, and you will have. Be a stable connection and you will start to see heaven manifest in your business, in your family, in your finances, in your career, in every area. So for most of us, this is like our starting point. We're double-minded, we're unstable, amen? We are doubters, and we need to mature in faith. How do we do that? Well, there's only one way to do it, and that's to be in the Word of God. Faith comes how? By hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So as you take the Word, and you sow it into your heart, and you confess it with your mouth, and you meditate on it in your mind and in your heart, what happens is you go through a process of building faith. Faith is exactly like a muscle, exactly like a muscle. I mean, if, if, if I don't know, where's something? I don't know. That baptism pool over there, all right? How many guys in this room will be able to pick that up single-handedly? Where's our strongest guy? Where's Daniel Bawada? Is he? He's not back yet, hey? Man, we need a Daniel in the house. <laughs> but you, you wouldn't be able to do it. I think a close second is da, Dami. Dami, just stand for a second. I'm just seeing some, some hugeness here. All right. All right. You. 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 He's married, all right? Just saying. Anyway. <laughs> so Hang's like, on God. <laughs> we... we if we were to get Dami and say, well, how many of you think he could lift that pool up by himself? I can tell you now, if he trains, he could do it. Faith is like a muscle. It has to be built. Muscles can be strong or they can be weak. And the question is, are we growing and building faith? Strong faith, we can move big mountains. All right, so what do we need us to do in Scripture? Build our muscles. So let me ask you this morning. If your doubt is in the area of God's love for you and His ability to provide for you, like if you are here and you just have got a whole lot of doubts or you're double-minded, like I don't know if He loves me, I don't know if He really will provide for me, look to your doubts. All right, look to them. They, you must see, you must analyze them. You must, what are they communicating to you and then go to the Word and apply the truth of the Word in that situation. 
So if it's in the area of God's love for you, go meditate on the truth of God's word until those doubts go and you become a stable connection and you can see heaven flow. If your doubt is in the area of your worthiness to receive, then go to the scriptures and look at all the scriptures on how worthy Christ has made you. And let them meditate on them. Speak them over your life until they replace all the lies and you become a stable connection. If your doubt is in the area of whether you're allowed to prosper or you should be prospering or not, then go to all the scriptures that teach that God does want us to prosper. Amen. And meditate on them until it becomes like a merry single-mindedness in you. God wants me to prosper. I'm not going to believe anything else. Listen, can I just emphasize this morning, it is important that you prosper. You must say amen. Amen. You know, there's this fear sometimes in, our ch- in churches that we, if we, we preach on prosperity, then we're going to become like those, you know, those money-driven churches, you know, and, and there is a real thing out there like that, and it's distorted, amen, but that must never take away from the truth of God's word, and when we read God's word, what we see is the necessity of prosperity on the people of God in order to have a testimony, in order to be light, in order to take care of the city. Listen, there should be so much wealth in this church that we are able to do stuff in the city, that we can advance the gospel in nations, that we can plant churches around the world, that we can give Bibles to people, that we can look after widows and orphans, and we can start projects that change city and incubate new businesses, and this is the kingdom. We can't take that out of the Bible. It's, it's so important that we prosper. It's critical. I mean, if we're all broke here and, you know, we're like all struggling and but like, hey, we're holy, brother. We're holy, holy, but we can't pay the lights. <laughs> you know, she called it this morning, you know, in the tithe message, just about like the gratefulness of, listen, we, we went through COVID as a church and we paid all our bills. We did. Praise God. That in itself is a testimony. Because people were closing buildings, leaving their stuff. We, we, yeah. We went through it, and we're still, yeah. And that's a testimony of the provision on this house and the blessing that's throwing for that. That's how it should be. And everybody else doesn't have lights. They should be looking at us with lights on, going, yeah, what's happening here? Jesus, brother. You know? It's like (laughs) wealth and prosperity is a testimony. Deuteronomy 8, chapter, chapter 18, verse 8 says that He will give us the power to create wealth so that He can establish His covenant in the earth. In order for the covenant of God to be established, there needs to be power on the saints so that they can produce wealth so that we can advance the gospel and establish the covenant of God in the earth. Amen? It makes sense, yeah? So, so we must, we've got to like, we've got to be, we've got to be single-minded. We've got to be like Mary when it comes to the area of prosperity. It's not great that my business just survives. No, we are called to thrive, all right? It's not great that I'm just meeting my bills every month and sometimes up, sometimes down. No, I'm called to prosper. I'm, I'm called to have so much that no matter what the need, no matter what the circumstance, in every season, I can be even generous, you know, during COVID, guys, as a church, 
we were feeding the city <laughs> with hundreds of thousands of rands going out to homes with food and stuff. That is the testimony. The gospel was advancing in every gift that was going out. That's what the church needs to be. But listen, the church is not going to be that when your, bro- your business is broke. <laughs> your business needs to prosper. So you can bring your tithe into the house. You can bring your offering into the house. And you can even say, you know what, I'm going to fund missionaries as well. That your giving is so extravagant, the gospel is just going everywhere. Now, if the, the, the thing is this, is where we get mixed up on this, is if we think like we're being materialistic, and there is a thing called being materialistic. If you're asking God to prosper you just so that you can have, then yeah, you're in error. I'll just be honest. All right, it, you, you've got to have a vision of your life that sees yourself as a blessing to nations. God came to Abraham and he said, I will bless you and enlarge you, and through you, all nations will be blessed prophesying about Jesus to come in the gospel. But this is, the, this is what Israel was even meant to be in the Old Testament, a blessing to nations. So you have to have a mind that's fully convinced, fully convinced that God wants me to prosper. He wants my business to prosper so that I can be a blessing to nations. And watch yourself as you go, because materialism is sneaky. Have accountability friends around you that when they see you going off track, come to you and say, hey, bud, Hey, 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 what's, what's going on here? Where's Jesus? Where's the kingdom? Let's, are you fine? Repent. Let's pray together. Let's realign. Live in that sort of environment, and we're not going to go off track. Amen? Sure. Jesus said in Mark 11, whatever things you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received them, and they shall be yours. I want you to notice he never gave us a list of what we can and can't ask for. (laughs) Whatever. Can you say whatever? Whatever Whatever things. Whatever things you have need of. Ask. All right? And believe that you've received them and they shall be yours. You You know what Satan does? He comes to try and destabilize our connection. I'm, I'm waking up to this, actually. I'm, like, new to this. I'm, like, really, I've noticed something in the last year. That whenever I'm in faith, there's tremendous attack. Whenever I'm getting, like, Mary, single-minded, determined, this is what the Word of God says, I believe it, suddenly there's attack. Because that is a threat to Satan and his kingdom. Why? Because when you like that, heaven has a connection and heaven can come. And he's terrified of heaven being on earth. He wants hell on earth. He wants us all destabilized, just doubting whether God loves us, doubting whether God will provide, doubting if we're materialistic or not, or, you know, second guessing our destiny and our purpose and our calling, all of that. He wants you destabilized. And so what he does is he attacks, but the attack is against your faith. It's against your faith. And so you've got to learn that the attack comes because of the word. When the sower sows the word, what happens? The, immediately the birds come to try and take it away. And why? Because if that word grows and produces fruit, what, what's actually happening is that person is growing in faith muscles. And they're able to exercise heaven on earth. And, and the enemy comes quickly right in the beginning to steal it. 
It's amazing how when people make the decision to be, I'm going to tithe. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, woo! I don't know if I can tithe anymore. What happened? This and that and that. And, and it's a test. He's testing. And we've got to learn how to stand our ground and resist and say no and push away those doubts. And this is what the Word of God says. This is what I see. He will open up the windows of heaven. And He will pour out a blessing. So much so there won't be room enough to contain it. And we've got to stand on the Word of God. So first up, faith it looks like being fully convinced. Secondly, faith speaks and acts. Let me demonstrate this for you. I need a Mary. Bukosi, won't you come on up here? <clears throat> Here's Mary. Mary, you need, you really believe Jesus is going to do a miracle. Grab six servants this morning. Pull, get, get six people. Call them up. Go find them. Guys, watch Mary. Come on, who are you going to call? She's looking for specific people. <laughs> Come on, we've got three. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Okay. We've got four. Winston, come on up. Ayanda, okay, great. We've got six. Eh? Two, four, six. Get all your servants together on one side. Mary, come over here. All right. So Mary, we, we need a Jesus as, as well. Where are the 30-year-old men in the house? <laughs> Who's 30 years? Mukhali, come. Oh, you're not 30, bro. <laughs> Jesus over here. Okay. All right. All right. What, what, so so what, here's the wedding. You're the wedding. These are all the guests. Everything's happening. There's noise. There's music. There's laughing. There's food. Everything's happening. Langer's really getting into it. I mean, Really? And um, that's your dad, hey? Yeah. Um, Mary, talk to Jesus. What, do you, what, is, what did Mary say to Jesus? Uh, oh, no, actually, she spoke to the servants. Sorry. What did she say to the servants? Say it out loud. Do whatever he tells you to do. And the servants say? And then the servants do what? Go get your pots. Go back to your seats. But you're actually getting pots of water. All right, you're filling them to the brim. Okay, bring them back, bring them back now. Bring your pots. <laughs> okay, put them down. All right, there we go. All right, who's going to be the one that's going to take some water that's, and, and take it to the master, to Langer, who's the master of the ceremony? Subs, because it's his birthday. Subs, give it to the master of ceremony for a drink, please. Yes, Jesus over here. Okay. There we go. Okay, miracle done. Is it really wine? Is it really? <laughs> All right, take your seats. What I'm trying to show you, give him a hand, give him a hand. <laughs> what I'm trying to show you is that she not only just believed and was single-minded, she did stuff. Faith has to act. It has to speak. Do whatever he said. She, she got busy doing what Jesus had told her to do. All right, she got busy, um, and, and this is what faith does. And so 
if you're looking for something and you're trusting God for provision, go get some quotes. If you, if you need a car, go, go test drive a few. <laughs> if you're looking for funding, write some application letters. Go do some presentations. Go knock on some doors and speak to some investors. You know, if, if you're looking to put finances in a market and you're looking for returns in a particular market, go study the markets. Go learn the industry. Why? Well, because faith acts. All right? Faith, not only does it act, but it also speaks. So as you're going about your actions, you're saying, Father, thank you that you're my provider. And I'm doing all of this, and I'm trusting you to lead me and guide me as we go, that your provision will flow through me. Amen. So faith is being fully convinced. Faith speaks and it acts. And finally, what does Jesus do in this miracle? Does wine fall from heaven? Does it come out of nothing? Did Jesus, did Jesus give, let me ask you this, did Jesus give them wine? What did Jesus give them? Instructions. Very, very important. We got to get this. Jesus gave them instructions. He gave them a plan. In Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18, it says, remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the wealth. No. He gives you the power to create wealth. What does he give you? The power. If you look at that word um, in, in Hebrew, it's koach, all right? Koach in, in Hebrew. And it means this. It means ability, strength, literal or figurative. Meaning he can literally give you the ability to create wealth. And, you know, some of us are just gifted to sing or do accounting. Praise God for you people. Um, you know, to speak, to sew, to make things, to build, to create, to write software. There's these abilities. He gives us abilities that are anointed that then lead to wealth. Okay? But not only abilities, he can also give us an idea. He can also give us a plan or instructions that can lead to wealth. For example, when he fed the 5,000, what did he give them? A plan. Bring what you've got. Get the crowds to sit down into groups. All right, this is how we're going to do this thing. All right, he gives them a plan. When they need a temple tax, did he just go, he has the temple tax, Peter? No. What did he do? He told Peter to go fishing. Question, what was Peter's job? Fisherman. He uses our abilities. Go fish, you'll catch a fish. <laughs> and then, you know, there's this miraculous thread that flows through our abilities. He gives Peter a plan. He involves us in the process, which says this, guys, we've got to get out of a hand-me-out mentality where we're just sitting around, Jesus is going to provide, it's just going to drop out of the sky. No, instead of having a handout mentality, rather have a mentality of, Lord, where can I employ my hands? Holy Spirit, what are the instructions? Hear my hands. Well, give me the instructions to, give me the plan. And, we'll, and, and if we follow the plan, 
All right? Like they followed the plan. Those servants listened and obeyed Jesus. And they followed the plan. They filled those water pots to the brim. When Elisha was performing a miracle for the widow, he said, what have you got? Oil. Remember, he always goes to what we've got. All right? Go get jars from everybody. When the last jar was filled, the miracle stopped. In that moment, she must have been the saddest woman ever. I could have just got a few more jars. I could, you know what I mean? He never told her a limit and said 10 jars. Go get many, he said. All right, so we've got to learn how to faith listens and obeys the plan. What does God give us? He gives us the plan. So many times I've experienced this in my own life. I remember organizing a conference once and we were like 20 grand short, something like that, 15, 20 grand. And I was like, we we're praying about it, praying for provision. God, we need 20 grand. How's it going to be? And then he gave me the plan. He was like, cancel the last meal of the conference. You're going to save yourself X amount of money. Then employ the students on the campus to make the meal for that then they will earn money so that they can go to the conference and the last meal will be provided for. 20 grand gone. You know, Mary didn't know how Jesus was going to solve it. You see, we're just thinking one dimensionally sometimes when it comes to provision. It's just got to like fall out the sky or that phone call's got to come or whatever. Rather, Lord, what is the plan? Show me how we can do this. I mean, there's so many times when we need provision. I don't know, whatever it is, like school fees, school books, amen, that time of the year. Parents, are you feeling it? We're feeling it. And, and suddenly, like even this last week, my wife, the Lord speaks to my wife and says, phone the shop now. And guess what? There's a discount. And guess what? Somebody else comes in and, and I don't know, what, whatever, suddenly you've got e-bucks and then the balance is covered. You know, God, He gives us plans, to create wealth. He uses the things that we've got around us, the simple things, and he anoints them and, 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 and produces the, what we need. There's this woman called Carla Green, and she wrote a book called Plans to Prosper. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to and not for harm. Plans. Can you say plans? What does God give us? What do you need for your business in order to prosper? You need a plan from heaven. All right, you need direction. And you've got to listen. Faith listens. Lord, how? And then when we get those instructions, we obey. You know, when I was preparing this message, God reminded me about a time many years ago when he gave me a plan and I didn't obey. And I look back and I wonder, sure. And I was like, I was repenting when I was pre pre preparing this message and thinking, how different would my season have been in that life if I in life if I had not, if I just obeyed, if I just heard and, and obeyed him and followed through, and I, I missed that opportunity. We've got to learn how to listen and obey. That's what the servants did, okay? So Carla Green, she wrote this book, Plans to Prosper. Her and her husband were in debt, struggling, couldn't pay bills. He was a full-time teacher. She wanted to get a job. She wasn't sure what job. God whispered to her one morning. They, they started applying faith, believing God wanted them to prosper. They went through that whole process, that process, amen. And then it, while she was listening one morning, the Holy Spirit said to her, puppies, puppies. Those are baby dogs, right? <laughs> and she knew what he meant. 
start breeding dogs. She came from a family where they did that. God was telling her, step out and start a business of breeding. You know what? That business grew and abundantly provided for that family so much. Like the, 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 what they see in Scripture, that blessing, the blessing of God was on them. Why? Because she listened and she obeyed. Who told her puppies? Heaven. In order for heaven to connect, it needs a stable connection. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? I'm finished this morning. <clears throat> Faith looks like being fully convinced. Faith speaks, it acts, and it listens, and it obeys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Father God, for your truth that just washes over us, Lord, and redirects us and aligns us correctly. Lord, I just pray over the seed that's sown today. Lord, may it go into every heart and may it bear fruit a hundredfold, Lord. Lord, may we be a church that steps out in faith and sees heaven on earth. Lord, I know there's many needs right now in this room, many things that we, we trust in you for. Lord, I know you're not moved by manipulation. You're not moved by us sulking or even crying. You're moved by faith. You respond to faith. You look for faith. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? You're looking for it. And Lord, as we have received the word, we've received faith this morning. I pray protection over the seed, and I pray that we would go forth from here and see plans being released and doors opening and instructions being given, Lord, and people speaking into their business, speaking into their situations and acting in faith. And Lord, I believe we're going to see tremendous miracles of provision this year. I pray for abundant miracles. I pray that this pulpit will be busy with testimonies this year of your abundant provision in our lives. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he make his face to shine on you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.